Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is a very, very sexy episode of the show. I'm here with Liz Dubay. She is a uh, sex and relationship therapist. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. I love to talk about sex, but even more so with your audience, we're going to have a great time. We are going to have such a good time. This is a topic that I've been wanting to cover for a very long time. So you are going to tell us a little bit more about how to sleep around safely, emotionally, physically, any way you need to protect yourself. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and Mm -hmm. and your practice? Yeah, I'm a sex and relationship therapist. So the majority of the work I do is one-on-one or couples therapy. And I help people specifically with regards to anything that they're struggling with sexually, sexual dysfunction, disconnect, a disc- desire discrepancy, stuff like that. But then I also have an online coaching program where over four weeks, I work with women to reignite their sexual desire. So it's specifically for women who want to be sexually empowered or who just want to reignite desire that they've lost. And so over four weeks, we have workshops. People can ask me direct questions. It's designed to be able to identify specifically what you need to be able to reignite your desire to feel sexually empowered, what you're doing possibly to extinguish your desire. And then I give you the tools to also communicate that to your partner so that you can have the sex life you deserve. And all of that can be found on TalkSexWithLiz.com, my website. And it's all there, the juiciness and <laughs> the deliciousness of it all. <laughs> That's amazing. That definitely lines up with what we're going to be talking about today. Because being a single woman, if you're not out there dating, it sometimes can feel like you also aren't able to get out there and just have some fun sex. It feels like you can't fulfill mm-hmm that part of your sexual needs. So how might a woman go about tackling this issue in their life? If there's someone who maybe they've never just slept around, maybe they've never just had fun, casual sex, like how would you identify that you're ready for that? And then how would you go about preparing yourself to go out and get laid? Okay, let's see. Well, I mean, it isn't it it so great that we can go online and we can just look at pictures of people that we're interested in and schedule a sex date. That's pretty amazing. And for free, no less. Right? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like back in the day, you would have to pay for that shit. So how do you prep? Well, if you're going to go hook up with somebody that you've never met, certainly you need to consider your safety. And certainly you want to make sure to let a friend know, this is the person that I'm meeting. And, uh, you know, one of, one of my tricks was I would take a picture of the dude's driver's license and text it to my friend. I would say, okay, we're going to go make it happen. I want your driver's license. I'm going to take a picture of it. And I'm sending it to my girlfriend. (laughs) And then you let your friend know where you're going exactly. I think in hetero relationships, there's no telling whether you're going to be safe or not. So when you're meeting a stranger, that is the biggest concern for me is where are you located are they going to comply with what feels consensual for you? Are you going to feel safe to be able to say what feels comfortable to say no? And if you struggle with being able to say no to sexual acts or people's advances, then I think that's something that you really need to work on. You need to work on those boundaries and being able to communicate those 
before your hookup so that in those moments where it's more daunting and you're feeling more vulnerable, naked, <laughs> open, available, it's it's much harder to say no in those instances. So that would be my biggest concern for your listeners is making sure that they have a sense of it being okay for them to say no at any point in time sexually and that they're aware of if it's a stranger, then you should really consider how much you're drinking, smoking, whatever it is that you're consuming that can impair your judgment. That can be tricky as well. So making sure that you limit consumption of other things. What's great is if you can find a friend to hook up with, how convenient that is. Somebody that you feel safe with, that's the ideal situation to be have to be able to have a friends with benefits dynamic. Like that is, that's one of the best case scenarios because you will feel safer. You will know how to communicate with this person. You will feel much safer because, mm-hmm. you know, people will know. Like you won't even have to send anybody a picture of your driver's license. Yes, you won't. unless you no longer want them to be your friends with benefits and then they start stalking you and that's a whole nother conversation yes that is all (laughs) and we could probably get into a little bit of that later so why you know there might be people out there that are hesitant that have never just hooked up with somebody randomly why would they want to i mean i know why i would want to but if someone's Uh, hesitant what are some reasons that they might want to consider just having mm. some casual sex for fun well, I mean, come on. Is it is it not on your bucket list? Come on. <laughs> Try something new. To, you know, it's like you've never tried it. See see how it is. I mean, there's certainly novelty. You don't know what to expect. There's that excitement of that. Uh, maybe a person that you want to hook up with, you never want to have a relationship with. Yeah. Like, like the naughty boy with tattoos on a motorcycle that can barely pay his rent, but he's got a really nice cock. Okay, <laughs> that's a great hookup. I don't know if he's relationship material. So uh, those are perfect opportunities to be able to connect and have a an interesting experience. But I mean, it's certainly not for everybody. So you, I guess you try it, you see if you like it and is what it is. Yeah. And just, yeah, using some of the tips that we're going to provide you for how to stay safe, all mm-hmm. the things that you're going to have to think about when you're having casual sex, because it sounds fun, but there are some risks involved, of course. There are swingers websites. Oh my gosh, for single women, that is like the greatest opportunity to be able to go on swingers websites to connect with people like that. I think that's a really safe way to do it. You can go to sex parties. You can uh, join a uh, a group where you can see pictures of people. You can chat with them ahead of time. You can get to know them and uh, create a sense of safety before hooking up as well. But a lot of times those are going to be couples. So it, it may be that might be something that you're not into. But if you want to hook up with a couple, that's a great opportunity is to go to a Sooners website. And there's definitely a larger awareness of the importance of communication and consent in that lifestyle than there may be with your typical single dude. And then if you're, if you're not hetero, then, you know, there's less to worry about with regards to safety. There certainly still is safety, but um, yeah, those are some. Yeah. I really like this sex club idea. Just also, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're coming from a place where maybe you're not having a lot of casual sex and you kind of need to get back into that mindset of being a little bit more sexual how to talk about it, being really open sexually 
and just being in a really supportive environment where people want you to be pleasured. They want you to have what you want and they're willing to talk about what you want. Yeah, it's a much different culture than the really like uncomfortable culture that we typically live in where people don't know how to talk about sex. And when you ask them, what do you want? What do you like? You go, oh, I don't know. I just tend to follow the other person's lead. And that can bring up some issues with consent if you're not saying explicitly what you want. And it you can just kind of leave unsatisfied, which might make you think that you don't like casual sex or you don't just like sex without emotional attachment. Why don't you talk a little bit more about like how you deal with getting women to ask for what they want? Sure. I think first off, I find a lot of women not knowing what they want. So they haven't really thought about it. I think we are so socialized towards sacrifice and following someone else's lead posing that question of what do I want? It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, you just do it, right? <laughs> right. And, and so they've never really thought about, well, do I like more tactile? Do I do I like tons of outer course foreplay? Do I want to make out and grind for a while? Do I want to be slowly undressed? Do I want my clothes ripped off? Do I want to be fucked hard? But maybe it's like, I really wanted to be slow and then eventually I want you to fuck me really hard. And being able to imagine your peak sexual experiences, those can be a way that you can gather the information is to start to think about what were my peak sexual experiences. And from there, you can dissect that out to be able to figure out what, well, what was it about that experience that was so hot? Was it the environment? Was there some sort of context within the experience that was really hot? Was it just the person's body that turned me on? Was it the way they touched me? Was it uh, how much time they teased me and that we played around with kissing? Was it the way that they were able to move their hips? Was it their flexibility? Was it the way that they spoke to me? The way that they, they said things? And so dissect that out to be able to identify what it is that you get most turned on by and think about your worst sexual experiences and identify those things that you don't like. And then at least then you've got a sense of clarity of what you do and don't like. And from there, once you have a language, because I think sometimes people don't even have a language of like, well, I don't even know how to describe what it is that I like. So try to find a language to be able to express what it is that you're wanting and do that before you get naked. Do that over dinner, dessert, drinks and talk about, hey, what do you like? Start the conversation with, hey, what do you like sexually? What are some of your turn ons? How do you like to be touched? What sorts of things do you like to do? You open up that dialogue. And then if that person isn't reciprocating and asking you what you want, I don't know if I want to go through with that sex date. Because that gives me a sense that if they're not curious about what I want, then how can I expect that they're going to be curious about what I want and be flexible about what I want once we get in to the bedroom and start to get sexual? And actually, I'm making an assumption here that we're getting to the bedroom. I mean, we might be doing it in the bathroom at the bar. You might be doing it in the car. I don't know, like whatever your thing is. Go, like, right. You know, that's part of the context. Maybe like I, re I really liked being fucked in that Corvette. It was so tight. Barely move. Yeah. The danger uh, of like someone coming up and knocking on the window. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to be watched? Do you like to do the watching? Do you want to be dominated? Do you want to do the dominating? 
All of those sorts of questions allow yourself to get curious within those. But I think the best conversations happen with you being curious first, and then that person can divulge, share, and you approach them in a non-judgmental way to get them to share as much as possible. And then you would hope that a person would reciprocate (laughs) with curiosity (laughs) on their part as well. And then if they don't, that gives you a sense of, Hmm, you're not a very generous communicator. Are you going to be a very generous lover? Hmm, the way that you do one thing is usually the way that you do most things. So that can be an indication, I think, right there at dinner and then or at drinks. And then you go, okay, well, let's meet again. It was nice meeting you. And then you decide whether you want to have another date or not. And then maybe that second date will give you clarity as to whether this is a worthy sexual opponent. I love that all so much. It's a lot of inner work that you need to do to have a really satisfying casual sex life. And not even casual. This is like if you have a partner, too. This is these are all the things that you need to think about. And these are all the things that you need to be communicating. Yeah. If you don't know yourself and you don't feel confident enough to communicate what you want, then it's a crapshoot as to whether or not you're going to get it. Great advice. You don't ever think like, here's the homework that I have to do in order for that to be to be fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And then I get I get women. And this is really sad is that women come to me and they say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. And they feel really sad and shameful about it. And I'm like, hey, we've been socialized to shut down our sexuality for so long. We've been shamed for masturbation. Male masturbation is totally normalized and joked around in movies. When do you see female masturbation being joked about? There's not an openness about women exploring their sexuality. So to me, I'm like, well, yeah, duh, of course you don't know about yourself. I think that most women don't know about themselves. And so I really encourage women to explore it, but without shaming themselves. Don't beat yourself up about it. You know, if you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and you still don't know about what it is that you want, that's okay. We've been socialized to be givers, to be the ones that are following someone else. And it's not your fault. You just haven't been intentional about making it a priority in your life. And and once you do, then these things will all come together. Yeah. And there's so much shame too about even wanting something specific in sexual encounters. Like there's so much shame around just women's sexuality in general, or even talking about wanting to have casual sex. There's just so much shame wrapped up in all of this. Yeah, I think it's quite clear now. I think we're talking about this a lot more about how there isn't a a parallel word for men for for slut. Women are called sluts, but where's the word for man, for men? There, there's no shame in them being a slut. They're, they're a player. Like, right. it's a compliment. Like, you, you got laid. You got a lot of partners, man. You must be, you got, you have, have really good game. You're a really good lover. But if a woman has a lot of partners, it's like, ooh, what's wrong with you? You poor thing. Right. Do you have like sex? Do you have sexual trauma? Do you have daddy issues? Fuck you. Yeah, right. Like, oh my I'm God. Just so, like, oh, it's so, it's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. And I don't know why it's still, so prevalent. We've come so far in so many areas and we're still giggling little 13-year-olds, teehees, women's sexuality. Well, I mean, we continue to learn about sex from Hollywood. Our parents are still not talking about it. And and when I say Hollywood, I also mean porn. Mm, yeah. So, you know, in California, San Fernando Valley, that was always the joke. <laughs> That's where all the porn is made. But now it's made everywhere. everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... 
Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood sex is it's it looks so unsatisfying. It's like you kiss for 30 seconds and then immediately to penetration. Like it's. Oh, my God. And 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 he and somehow he's able to hold you up against the wall or the shower without his legs getting sore. Right. Huh. Well, I guess it's if it's only 30 seconds, then, yeah, he can. Yes. <laughs> well, because you come in 30 seconds. Yeah. Right? Like she she comes just like a, the taste of his lips and the penetration of his cock makes her come and scream in, in pleasure. It, and this is what people are learning or there's a lot of the, this is what women are learning. And then the men are learning from porn, which is that we scream and we perform and we want to be screwed really hard and we don't really need much foreplay. And, and we really love sucking dick for like about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we like being choked. That was, I feel like, like 10 years ago, that was a big porn thing. Was, the, was Oh, choking. was that a big porn thing? That was, yeah, yeah. Which translated into sex because I remember a few encounters where we didn't talk about it beforehand, of course, because that wasn't mm -hmm. so much a thing, but definitely. That would be a turnoff for you to talk about it ahead of time, right? Right. Right. That is one of the misconceptions is like, if I talk about things beforehand, that's that's weird or it's a turnoff. Right. Things should happen. Things should just happen so easily. We should know what each other wants. But it's like everybody's different. A Amy, you might think like the choking thing is like, oh, that was like, a, you know, that was not a very sexy thing. But there's probably plenty of people listening that are like choking. That's really hot. Yeah. So, probably plenty of people that are like, yeah, I want more cock and less foreplay. So everybody likes different things things. And unless you're able to have that conversation ahead of time, then you're getting that other person's romanticized or pornographicized whatever the <laughs> word is, of, of what sex is supposed to look like. And it's just kind of going back to the Hollywood thing, too, that like penetration, that's the main act. That's that's the best thing that there is. You're just waiting to yeah. get to that point, like the stuff up to that, the foreplay the outer course, the the blowjobs yeah. or the cunnilingus or the going down on people. That's not the that's not part of it. That's not yeah. fun. And I'm pretty sure we see blowjobs a lot more than we see women receiving oral. Yes. You know, and I think there it's are kinda... um, some filmmakers who are kind of changing that and and who are yes. including it a lot more in yeah, their work. Yeah. So I think that the roots of our discomfort surrounding sex are definitely from childhood, from our parents' discomfort. And unless our parents learned how to become more comfortable, then they're just repeating the same generational pattern of we don't talk about it. And I think it's also, there's this idea in our society that if we tell kids that sex is pleasurable, then they're going to go run out and have it way too early. And I think that's kind of the opposite. If you educate children at, at, at you know age appropriate and you start to inform them and they know about it and they know that they have choices and they know how to be safe, I think they're going to wait longer. Exactly. That's what the research shows. In Europe, the rates of teenage pregnancy are substantially lower, like like hardly anything. And people wait to have sex much, much longer. And they are not told to not have sex. They are told that sex is pleasurable and that just to put a rubber on it. Right. And they're, they're not told to not have it. They're <laughs> like, say, just be, it's just be safe. When you take away that, that danger, that mystery of, from sex. Yeah. It, it, it becomes, I guess, less shameful 
Of course. Yeah. If, if your parents are open about it, then there's this trust, then you can have a conversation about it. But kids know their parents are lying. They learned, they see it in the movies all day long that like, ooh, they're having a good time. Why are my parents just talking about STIs? Right. And you're not preparing pregnancy. Yeah. You're not preparing children to be sexual adults at some point because they're going to be adults and you want them to have a full life. Yeah. You want them to have that full experience and that full sex life. It's just part of the human experience. I don't have children. So I, you know, I don't. Lucky you. So, I, you know, it's... Oh, wait. I hope my kids aren't listening to this <laughs> shit. <laughs> now, a lot of kids have is that conversation about consent. So, let's talk a little bit about consent in um, in these really casual hookups and these casual relationships, because I think that goes along with asking for what you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that can be part of the conversation over the date that you're having prior to the hookup is and actually i'm assuming that some people are going on a date first i think that's probably some hookups could actually happen just through text i absolutely they could Mm -hmm. um i think you make a good i'm not a big fan yeah i think you make a a good point that you even if you don't really want to get emotionally involved with someone you do have to have a conversation with them beforehand and you do need to lay some ground rules before you just go ahead and get nasty in the back of your car yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm not a big fan of people just only texting and then going and looking up. You just, you need to hear a person's voice, have a conversation. At the very least, talk to them on the phone a bit as you're preparing for that date. I get lots of calls, so I know how to screen these suckers, you know? like <laughs> The calls that I get where the guys are like, hi, um, I'm interested in sex therapy. Yeah, well... I'm not the one for you because I am not here for your masturbation pleasures. I'm here to help you with sexual dysfunction. But that's what I imagine sometimes when you're texting, you don't know that they could just be getting off. And it's like, okay, well, that might be sexy for you. But I'd like to have a conversation with someone to see like, okay, are you a viable candidate? And in that conversation, being able to get a sense of, of from them, are they a person that knows how to have a conversation about consent is asking as you're asking them, what do you like, et cetera, et cetera. It, being able to share, hey, you know what? Consent is really a concern for me because I want to make sure that I feel safe. And the more safe I feel, the better time I have and the better time I have, the better time you have. And so being able just to say, you know, how do you approach consent and that I know it's so awkward. It feels so weird. We get this idea from Hollywood that you don't ask those questions, but that's not real sex. So quit, right. get Hollywood out of your bedroom and start saying what you're thinking, start expressing your concerns. And if you can't do that, then I don't know that he should have his cock inside of you and you should be licking her pussy, whatever, like whatever it is. Right. I don't like, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then I, I, it's a concern for me when I look at the model of healthy sexuality. So, yeah, you should not have access to my body if you can't understand when I say no, if you can't understand what that means. And yes. if you can't and understand how be, that makes me feel. Yeah, th- there should be enthusiasm and, and being able to ask ahead of time. So I want to make sure you've got condoms, right? Do you have any lube in your place? You know, if you're going to their place, what do you have? And uh, the and to 
to me, it would, you could assume that, that they would have condoms. You would think, but you, lots of guys show up without condoms. And if you want to be using condoms, which I highly recommend, then <laughs> these are questions that you, that I think are important to ask. And then it, then he, can also self-correct his behavior. So I, I want to make sure to not be heteronormative Absolutely. in this, is that these same conversations should be happening woman to woman as well, to be able to say, hey, what do you like? And maybe you're less concerned about your safety, but but be, making the focus be on pleasure and desire, because not every woman, not every lesbian woman or woman who has sex with women has sex the same way. Absolutely. And so don't assume that the way that you're having sex is the same way that another woman chooses to have sex. So, yeah, it's just it's normalizing all of this. Let's talk about alternative forms of sex. It's not all mm -hmm. penetration, even if it is a, a man woman hookup. There's outer course, there's fingering, there's, you know, what like how do you normalize that? If it feels good and it's consensual. If you like it, it's all good. Nothing, I, I, I look at it as, as nothing is off the table unless I put it off. We don't need to judge sexual acts. If it's something that you desire that feels good, then go for it. If, uh, and it may be that you just need to prep them in terms of, oh, I really like this sexual act, but I need to be warmed up first. Right. Not quite ready for that yet. So, but yeah, I mean, from my perspective, anything is okay as long as it's consensual. Right. And just it's healthy and yeah. And also just like normalizing that it doesn't always have to be penetration. There are other fun things that you can do. And especially mm -hmm. if you just met someone, that might not, mm -hmm. you might not want to go there, but there might be other fun things that you are able or you're willing to do with someone that you don't know that well. Exactly. I mean, you might say, hey, I'd like to really make out and grind and have some fun with that, but I'm not ready to get naked with you and I'm not ready to have intercourse. And so being able to have a sense of what that boundary is ahead of time so that you can also prepare them for maybe, you know, are they making assumptions that because you're making out and grinding that you want to go and have intercourse, that you would like to get naked? And so letting them know ahead of time can help them to self-correct some behaviors that might feel uncomfortable for you. And when I think of alternate sexual acts that don't involve genital to genital contact, that also brings up mm -hmm. STIs for me. And I know that you love to mm -hmm. talk about STIs. So let's talk about I them. love to talk about. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... You know, it's what's interesting is not everybody knows what STIs are. Some people think some people are just familiar with the term STDs. And so I think it's first off is to be able to help people recognize that STIs are the same as STDs. It's now a different word that before it was sexually transmitted diseases. Now it's sexually transmitted infections. And we've and that is in an effort to destigmatize STIs because a disease is something that is more pervasive. An infection is something that is can be treated and cured easily. No big deal. I, I really hate the shame. I talk to so many 
people that feel so much horrible shame because maybe they have HPV, maybe they've got some form of herpes that shows up that they're really embarrassed about. And it's just so horrifying for them to have to share with someone, this is what I have. And so then what happens? People lie. People don't share it because they're so mortified about how the person will react. I really want to encourage people to be more and more honest with friends, with lovers, so that we can reduce the shame. But the more that we keep it in a box, the bigger it gets. And people continue to make jokes about STIs in a way that reinforces the shame and makes us hide and feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I have this. But ultimately, like a lot of STIs are so easily treated with antibiotics. It, it, this is, this is one of the common problems is you, you get an STI, you go to the doctor and they come in the room and, you know, you got like gonorrhea of your throat. They come in the room and they go, okay, um, I'm sorry to tell you that, um, you have, and you're like, cancer. I'm dying. I have HIV. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm sorry. You've gonorrhea. <laughs> and um, right here's a prescription. I'm gonna have. <laughs> I'm gonna have to report that to the CDC, and um, they may contact you. And then you go, oh fuck. <laughs> and so, what's the treatment? They go, oh, a shot in your ass, and here's a pill. You should <laughs> right. be good in a, cu- in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you get strep throat, and what do they do? They go, oh, okay, you've got strep throat. Here's your antibiotics. Yeah, have a good day. Those right. are two infections. Why is one so shame-induced and so dramatized? And it's basically like the same treatment, and we're all good to go. Off you go. Right. Off you go. (laughs) Right. No shame. No, um, you don't have to disclose that to anybody. We're not contacting the CDC for your strep throat. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you call you call a guy that you just made out with, and you go, oh, shit, you know, I want to let you know I have strep throat, so you might want to go to the doctor. And that's, oh, they're like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. You call a dude and you say, hey, I have gonorrhea. I think I got it from your dick giving you a blowjob. Yeah. And they go, oh, can I call you back? <laughs> right. Not, it's like, not me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> couldn't be me. Especially with herpes. That one is so joked about how it's, it's like the worst yeah. thing that could happen to you. And most doctors are like, okay, yeah, you have herpes. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like the worst, well, why is this the worst thing that could happen to you? Right. Like, what's going to happen? Hey. Like, so you have these breakouts that happen when you're stressed out that like, and then during those stressed out times, you don't have sex. Just like when you have the flu and you're sick, you don't have sex. Right. You're like, honey, I don't want to get you sick. So, I mean, why? But it's the shame. It's right. reinforced in the medical community. It is, it's reinforced by people. You, you tell somebody that you really care about that you have that and they go, Ooh, I'm not interested in you anymore. Right. And that's so, you know, it's, it's hurtful. And certainly that's a person's prerogative to be able to say, "Mm, I don't want to have sex with you if you have herpes. Right. And, and at the same time, but they shouldn't be shaming you for it. No. Just like when I say like, yeah, I, you know, you say that you have a cold and you're like, Hey, Liz, should I come into your office? I have a cold. I'm going to say, no, thanks. I don't want to get your illness. Let's either do a Zoom session or let's reschedule. No shame. It's just that I don't want to get sick. Right. Um, I don't need to shame you for having an illness. Yeah, it was like COVID. Like, oh, my God, like you're a leper, you know? <laughs> and like HPV, too. HPV is so common. 
And men aren't routinely tested for it. Well, they can't. We don't know if they have it or right. not. Right. There's no, there's no conclusive. Test. Yeah. We're, w- women are screwed. Men just pass it around. Right. It is. And <laughs> and they act like it's such a huge deal when you disclose that because you know that. There's, there's no way that, like you said, there's a good chance that they gave it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What is it's like eighty percent of the population has HPV? It depends on the generation. Now we've yeah. got the vaccination, so um, you know. But I think a lot of people don't get their kids vaccinated because they're like, "Oh, my kid's not going to need that." Like, right? What? Are you kidding me? Or I don't want to promote them to have sex by giving them the HPV vaccination. Are what? Yeah, just just uh, get like, the. Am I shot. hearing this correctly? <laughs> you know that you are. <laughs> you know that it's gonna happen yeah it's gonna happen yeah wear a condom make your partners wear a condom encourage them to get tested you know the drawback is that if you're doing hookups then you certainly you're going to be there's more at risk so definitely use condoms and you know people just don't use dental dams i i like i just it's just a very rare thing i like it's I don't even try to encourage it because I feel like that's just, it's going to be like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Getting, you know, or you're not in reality if you think I'm going to use a dental dam. But that, that is the, that is the risky thing is that if you're giving oral to a man or a woman, then you're increasing your propensity for diseases. Gonorrhea is going around right now. Right. Gonorrhea and chlamydia, they're, they're at heights right now. And so just make sure when you're feeling that tickle in the back of your throat that continues on, you better go to the doctor, go get yourself checked. No big deal, but make sure to take care of yourself because when you do carry an STI, it is making you more at risk for other illnesses. And, and so you want to make sure that you get an STI treated as soon as possible. And again, it's no big deal. It's a potential risk from being sexually active, but. If you know how to protect yourself, you... Yeah, just like anything great in life that, that has risks. Right. You know, I mean, you can get cancer, like, they link sugar to cancer. They, they link, you know, like, oh, too much fast food. Like, all of these things, all these really juicy, delicious things have negative consequences. And we just figure out how to balance them, weigh them out. Yeah. And I definitely... So make sure the sex is good and you get what you want. <laughs> That's true. It's worth yes. the risk. Make it, make it worth it. Have these conversations and make it worth it. Let's talk about other things that you can catch, like feelings. How do you navigate that? (laughs) (laughs) That was the best segue ever. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, Because I think that is one other risk um, is that you can get your feelings hurt and that you Mm -hmm. can, you know, you're, you're in this very intimate act with somebody. And even if you've laid all these ground rules, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to start feeling something or that your partner isn't going to start feeling something towards mm-hmm. you that you don't reciprocate. Um, yeah. Why don't yeah. you talk a little bit about like the emotional? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to get if you if you are active, you are going to get your feelings hurt. That's the risk when we put ourselves out there. So. Have some really great friends that can support you through the process and, and normalize your experience. You know, if you if it really breaks you down, find a therapist that you can talk to that that you feel like is not going to judge you for being a slut, you little slut. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm so obnoxious. No, um, but 
the and the thing is is with hookups you there is no guarantee of whether or not they are going to follow through on the things that were discussed over drinks you don't know them right you don't like there's no true trust of whether or not they're going to follow what you've requested and uh, and and a really intimate amazing sexual experience with someone may not really be reciprocated. They may be like, oh, that was good. Okay, next. And you may have someone that thinks you were the most amazing, connected, love-making goddess. And they, and you're thinking, oh, that was just a hookup, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just, it's part of the, it's part of the dance is that there's going to be feelings. And I feel so crummy to get rejected by somebody that you had these kind of like fluttery feelings about that you had this like fantasy, this dream of who they were and, 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 Oh, it like brings you back into like high school when there was that person that you really liked and (laughs) they didn't like you (laughs) and your friend told him that you liked him in front of everyone. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was my story. (laughs) It's it's a fantasy version of someone, you know, it's you have these feelings for someone that you don't know very well. It's more that you're putting something on them and it's not necessarily exactly how you feel about them. You haven't gotten to know them. So, yeah. Is there any way that you would recommend to prep yourself going into a situation like this or when you find yourself Mm. feeling this way? Any any like pep talk you can give yourself to to just sort of like reorient yourself to. Huh. To, to feeling oh, that's like a, a tricky more one. rational. Okay, let's see. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you do like a critical thinking exercise. Is like you said, you know, on the left side of the sheet, there's like this person could be the the love of my life, every dream I've ever had about them, and this is everything that I'm fantasizing about. And then on the right side, let's do the realist. Is that this person may be a really shitty kisser, and <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have very good hygiene and they don't speak to any of their family members. And like, I don't know. I mean, you just like start to write the realist list. And then after you leave, when you are maybe like, maybe you have stars in your eyes, you look for the, you know, list out evidence for and against that this person is the person of my dreams. And evidence for is... That, you know, they fuck like a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Evidence against is that they didn't walk me to my car after. Yeah. And, you know, like, so, like, kind of balance it out. But I think really, if you can have some good friends to be able to talk to about stuff and be able to be transparent that I did this hookup and I felt, I felt so vulnerable. And, and I think that this is the quandary with women is that we open up sexually. And so this is, you know, the, it's, it's quite common. You hear in lesbian relationships is that they fall in love so much more quickly. It's like these two women opening up. And then with the hetero relationships, you've got one woman opening up. And so sometimes she's fall, you know, she's opening herself up to him and the vulnerability in that can have, I think, more intense feelings. And the fact that society tells us that we shouldn't be having sex with people unless we love them, that we, you know, if we did that, we're a slut and, and that we shouldn't let someone into us because then now that's like the scarlet letter or, you know, there's like, there's like, okay, one more notch against white 
my purity. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any tried and true. I mean, I've been there. I've been there. I think all of us have been there and no level of expertise in therapy that I've gained (laughs) kept me from having the feels because the thing is, is don't we all want to fall in love? Even if you say, I don't want to get married and I enjoy the single life, don't we all want to just be loved and be desired and to feel intimate and in love? And if you don't put yourself out there, then there go your opportunities. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe part of the prep work that you have to do too about being really honest about what you want and figuring that out and being able to talk about it with a partner and also emotionally going into it. What do I want? Like, what, what is my expectation of this? You know, how would I deal with it if like I did fall in love with somebody? How would I deal with it if I got rejected and, and, prepping Mm -hmm. just prepping yourself and going through these what ifs so that you kind of have a plan when you have the feelings and then you you can execute the plan yeah and the more you go into it feeling empowered and saying i am a sexually empowered woman then the more that you can leave with if they're not into you or you felt manipulated in some way that you can say you know, you don't have to fall back on this. Oh, I was taken advantage of. And so if you limit those opportunities to be taken advantage of with setting boundaries, expressing the need for consent, you being aware of what you want and desire and communicating that to them, then the less you're going to feel victimized if they uh, weren't into you in the way that you were into them. It's all, it's just so, um, it's fun, but it's, yeah, there's like these fraught things that can happen to you along the way but i guess it's just part of that's part of the human experience and part of life and part of Mm -hmm. like you said opening yourself up yeah yeah what are you gonna do yeah you either sit at home alone or (laughs) you you go out and you which is fine you know if that's what you need at that point in your life i'm a huge proponent of not in engaging with any romantic partners, yeah. if that's what you need at that time. But sometimes... And, and you're the best expert on you. Give yourself what you need. Please yourself sexually. Have 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 sex with yourself on a regular basis so that you're getting off and mastering it for yourself and not feeling so overwhelmed when you have an amazing sexual experience because you can have an, an amazing sexual experience with yourself. I love that. You have the power. You have the power in your hands or in your toy chest. It, you have the power in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Liz. This was such a great discussion. I definitely feel more empowered to just go out and, and fuck someone. I can't wait to get back awesome. on the horse. <laughs> oh my god go get go get some ribbed condoms and some really awesome lube and 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 send me a picture of his driver's license or her I driver's will. license yes. before you go make it happen yeah i'll make it happen safely <laughs> i love it um tell people where they can find you yeah i mean the easiest way is you can go to talk sex with com. that's my website where you can get all the info about my offerings and therapy and then you can always find me on tiktok Talk sex with Liz. I love making videos about sex. Send me your questions and I'll answer it in a video. And it's my chance to talk because I'm always listening in, you know, my other job. Right. Yeah. And you get to actually educate a, a big group of people because everyone's on TikTok now. Oh, totally. I, I told my kids, I said, I want to be TikTok famous. And they're just laughing at me. I'm like, I have 2,300 followers. <laughs> and they said, Mom, that's not TikTok famous. 
you're you're getting so there. Help me out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we will help you out. We will follow you on TikTok. Anything else going on? Anything coming up that's very exciting? Yeah, I mean, I have my ongoing four-week online workshop for women who want to reignite their desire or want to feel sexually empowered. And I think it's a really great program for women who are struggling sexually that don't want to go into therapy. And uh, it's it's completely anonymous. But at the same time, you get one-on-one time with me with questions and uh, me talking more intensely about these issues that stop our desire, that make us feel sexually disempowered, that sort of thing, and to be able to help women to get the sex lives that they want. So that's something that I'm really excited about because I have, I'm trying to heal the bed, the world one bedroom at a time and it's just not working. I, I, it's a numbers game. I gotta get, I gotta reach out to more people. We will get you out there because you have a lot of okay. great things to say about sex. Thank you so much for being on the Thanks, show. Amy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Yeah, it was fun. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>